And we're off. Yeah, life. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Fapism. That is my name and not a sexual innuendo. I promise, or if you want, you can just call me Frank. It's probably easier, probably better. And that's good, great, fine, and dandy. A lot of people call me Frank, uh, just because I guess it was my given birth name. But welcome to the Frankly Speaking on Fridays podcast. I'm your host, Frank Pador. Now, I understand, and I said this in my TikTok video, yes, I have a TikTok. To my unfortunate and potential delightful surprise, I do, in fact, have a TikTok. I said that I will explain why a podcast with the title of the Weekday Friday in its title is being done on a Thursday. Well, here's why. The reason why that is, is because come tomorrow, my roommate and I are going to be having a new AC unit installed. And I don't know how long that's going to take. I work mornings and I normally have the afternoon evenings uh, to myself. But because of the install and uh, our property manager saying that it's going to take essentially all day in which to install, I've decided, okay, um... Let's just leave it at that. Wow. So just no matter what, I'm going to be dropping frames. An 8% drop in frames. I wonder why. <sighs> anyway, so that's why I'm doing it today. I want to record it today so that I can edit and upload it onto YouTube tomorrow on Friday because I want to stream these live in the afternoons and upload the video to my YouTube channel in the evening so that whoever missed it is able to get in on it the day of it being streamed. So that's why. And here we are now in which to do so. Now, if you've been with my channel for a long time, uh, and years ago, in my previous place of living, I used to do, frankly speaking, every Saturday morning. It was a fun little thing. I would do it, uh, I think it was around like 10 or 11 a.m., and I would have uh, fake news, which I, a fake news segment, which I called Real Fake News. I had fake sponsors. Um, I wrote um, just a bunch of stuff. And while that was good for the time... Since I've stopped doing Frankly Speaking, and now I'm doing this, I figured it's time to be, I suppose, a little more real about these things. A little more, um, well, yeah, real. Realistic. No, I don't have sponsors. Um, while my creative writing was fun at the time, it was just something in which to waste time. Or fill time. Waste, fill. Basically, it's like a talk show host. We need to fill this time. What can we do? What skit is available? What can I improvise in order to just fill the time? It's essentially, essentially, essentially all that I was doing at the time is what can I do in order to fill time? So I had to rethink, revamp, and redo what my actual intent and goal is. And this is all that this podcast is essentially for. No, not to fill time, although some may debate. <laughs> the point of this podcast is to, one, get out like weekly rants, I suppose. Uh, but also I wanted to focus on a couple of things, things which either come to mind, news articles which I have read, but I also want to extend even further into just hobbies, practices, and just interests of mine and if you know me and i know me very well uh i think is i'm still intact and in love with classical music you know i last december i got my master's degree in music performance for french horn so i am quite educated as far as french horn as far as music theory and as far as music performance, because there is so much which actually links together between music performance, acting, modeling, and sports, even, that need and want to perform, and the anxiety which comes with it, having to perform at the top of your level, and being able to do so under pressure of a live audience. That 
is tricky, but I know quite a bit about it and can discuss such a thing. Another habit and thing, habit, hobby of mine that I want to discuss, and again, if you're familiar with this channel, you know I'm a gamer. So I will gladly love to talk and discuss in-depth concepts or just talk in general about video games which will be coming out. There are comic books which I love as well uh, that I would love to discuss and have a couple of guests on here eventually in order to discuss their background of what is good, why is it good, and also specifically my roommate is quite knowledgeable on what, how can you detect and know if a comic is of value. Whether or not you're collecting the series or even have an interest in the series, you can look at a comic book in a comic book store or at half price books or somewhere else and she will be able to tell you okay you need to look out for this this and this and if they have these or if they don't have these you can expect that amount to be somewhere between this and this she's fantastic at that so that's what the podcast has been reassigned to or has more just evolved into the goofiness the the skits that may come back but it's not going to be you know uh, what, what was his name? Uh, Bobo the Hobo Mobile Clown? No, unfortunately I need to... I need to play down the goofiness a little bit. It may come back after things have become a little more established, which I'm okay with and that I'm fine with. But as of right now, I feel that if we take a little more of a serious tone, discuss things which are actually of interest to the world and ourselves and... The small community which I have developed, I think we will be able to find like-minded individuals and we will be able to expand and go forth upon this podcast together to enlighten each other and make us feel a little more, um, I don't know, I guess, um, just homey with each other. Also, and selfishly, I must admit, I want to utilize my voice a little bit more Hence this podcast. It's only going to be about an hour's time, uh, maybe a little bit less since it's just myself. If I have a guest on, then cool, great. Oh, also, I love my equipment. So the microphone that I'm using is my brand new baby that I got. If you follow my Facebook page, yeah, actually, I didn't even share this on Fapism. I shared it on Pador Studio, which I suppose I will put a link to for all your voiceover needs. But I am currently recording this podcast on a Rode NTG5 shotgun microphone, and it is fantastic. It is, I don't know, about a good foot away from my mouth, and I'm sure I'm coming through crystal clear. If not, let me know. I'll bump up the volume a little bit. But I love my equipment, and if I have new and good equipment, I am going to utilize it. So I am utilizing the crap out of this NTG5 Rode microphone, which I recommend to anyone, and it will be fun and great. Of course, I'm forgetting something. My podcasts, well, not my podcasts, my streams in general for Fapism always begins with a shot. I went on a bit of a tangent. Apologies. I just needed to clarify what and why, frankly speaking, has returned and what the differences are going to be. So to keep up tradition with myself and my live streams, I always begin with a shot. So I have here just a, a shot of cheap gin. So uh, here's to the first episode of Frankly Speaking on Fridays. Cheers. All right, let's begin. Believe it or not, I've actually thought of a structure and a format for these podcasts. I know. Surprise, surprise. But it is true. So, I want to begin just by talking about thoughts that I've had throughout this week. And in truth, the thought that I currently have is actually, uh, well, it kind of, um... How do I put this? It's been on my mind for a while. And it's going to sound 
weird just because I have to connect a couple of things, but I promise it will make sense, and I hope that you may learn something, if not even agree with what this has to be. So, I want to talk about jobs. And I don't mean, like, economic jobs. I don't mean, like, uh, you know, the uh, unemployment rate or anything of that nature. I just want to talk about jobs in general. Jobs that we have worked, which either we don't like, which we tolerate, and which we only work for a means of survival and income, which isn't our career path, which isn't our passion. As my father has always said to me, um, you know, if it's not within your career path and if you're not happy with it, then it's only temporary. So only temporary jobs. And yes, temporary can even mean that it lasts years and years. But if it's not truly your passion, then it's only temporary. So, I want to discuss and bring this up because I've worked a plentiful amount of jobs within my time. And that is very true. Uh, depending upon who you ask and what actually counts as a job, I have worked since I was a wee lad. And you may be thinking, well, how have you worked since a wee lad? And I will tell you, I've worked since a wee lad because my siblings and I, we, um, ooh, that's me. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure that everything's going fine. I have worked as a wee lad with my siblings um, in a paper round. And I remember us getting up early in the morning. And I mean early in the morning. And we would, uh, we would have to roll newspapers. We'd get a big fat stack of newspapers and we would have to roll them and rubber band them. And then we would have routes and houses that we had to uh, accordingly throw the newspapers out to. And we did so. And it even came to the point of if it was raining outside, then we would also have to bag those newspapers as well and then throw them. So you could consider that my first job if you want to. After that, I did, oh God, what did I do? I worked as a caddy at a, as, at a country club in my hometown. I have some stories on that, I won't go into them. But then I had a job working at TJ Maxx, of all places. My brother was able to get me a job there because the manager thought that I would be like my brother. My brother was kind of used and abused for his work ethic, basically working as an assistant manager, as a cashier, but not having the title or the pay compensation as a result, which is why he left. I know, I'm getting off track. So, this is what I want to talk about. Um, as far as the jobs go, we all have worked these jobs. We have all dealt with managers and co-workers, which we absolutely cannot. And unfortunately, that's just a part of life. Uh, to do what you have to by the means of just being able to survive. I mention this because... Recent events have reminded me of my past and dealing with uh, my voice specifically. And yes, I, my voice comes up quite a bit in my life as well as just, uh, just <laughs> in general. Because it's one, of the, it's one of the first impressions that people get of me. It's not just appearance. I can tell you a story when I worked at... I have a squishy ball. It, it's very furry, and I like to play with it while I'm talking. So if you hear in the background, apologies. There's a story when I was working in the hospitality industry. Uh, <laughs> I am a fancy suitor of a bit. I like to overdress because that's just how and what I do. To the point, however, where I was just working front desk and I was also wearing a three-piece suit. It came to the point where I was mistaken for management so much, I actually had to 
play that role and be like, yes, I am, I am management. What can I do for you? However, I was working in this one hotel in my graduate college town, wearing my three-piece suit, minding my business. These people come in and be like, hey, we're trying to get to this place, but we have no idea where to go. And me, I, you know, I had my hair probably slicked back because that's how I dressed at the time because I felt having the slicked back hair matched the attire that I was wearing. And... Well, I looked nice. I looked presentable. You know what I looked like? I looked like, um, you know how in the movies you're like in the, you're in the 1920s, there's a dude that's dressed nice in a vest behind the bar and he's just cleaning that one glass over and over, which has probably been dried so many times that it doesn't need to be washed. That was me. I was that dude. That's how I looked. That's how I dressed. So whenever I was a bartender for that hotel, I swear to God, people opened up more to me as a result of that. Oh, yeah, that's the guy from the movie. He's, gonna, he's just here for you to pour your heart out. Let's give him a tip and have him listen to our complaints. That was me. I did that. Anyway, that's beside the point. These people came in asking for directions to me. They've never heard me spoke. I didn't check them in. But obviously I'm dressed accordingly, at least like a manager, if not uh, some sort of visiting higher up. And so once I spoke, the atrium in where I used to work was rather echoey. So whenever I did speak, it boomed. And that's exactly what I did. I spoke. I said to them, well, you're trying to go there, so what you need to do is you'll need to go out of the parking garage, you need to turn left and go here, here, and then you're there, parking's around the rear or whatever. When I first opened up and said two words out of my mouth, my voice is how it is, and the accompanying woman to that party was physically shocked. By my, uh, by my voice and, and how it is. And, well, she, uh, <laughs> she was startled. Which was amusing to me and nothing which was new. But the fact that she afterwards said, My God, I wasn't expecting that out of you. Well, not many people do, but here we are. So why do I mention jobs? Why do I mention my voice? Here's how they entwine. They entwine uh, because of management. Yeah, this will entwine regular jobs. Not just myself. I bring this as an example, but I'm sure this can extend in many different ways. It involves temporary jobs. It involves my voice. And it involves artistry. And it involves talent within that last section. So I was working at my undergraduate job um, as in hospitality. It was a known brand, which I won't say just because, I don't know, legality reasons. I personally have no problem just dropping names and locations and this and that, but I also feel at the same time, maybe I shouldn't. So I won't. But I was working at this hotel, and it was privately owned, despite it being a part of a international franchise. They're able to do that, evidently. So, I'm working there for a while, and at that time, I got laid off uh, from my radio job. I was a part-time announcer for a radio uh, station, and I worked there for over two years, nearly two and a half. I got laid off just because it was associated with my undergraduate university, a, I forget how they call it, basically ball busters. <laughs> ball busters just came in and evaluated budgeting of the entire university, and then when it came down to the radio station, they're like, oh, well, you're, um, um, you're, uh, you're, donation base your your charity so uh you got to get those up because we're going to cut some funding here here and here from the university because the university has to thrive before you do and they were looking for permanent people to stay along i was going to graduate soon 
and they knew I was going off to graduate school, so they cut me. Despite me being, I feel, not to toot my own horn, but also to other people, a rather respected and uh, a very knowledgeable person of that radio station and how things go about. So I was part of that cutting block. Unfortunate, these things happen. It's life. Got a job at hospitality at a hotel. As I was working there, and as people, obviously, began to notice my voice more and more, because I don't hide my voice. I've read posts of people who work in customer service or hospitality who intentionally raise their voice and create a facade so they're not to just draw attention to them for people like, oh my god, your voice is so great. Hey, what's with that? I don't know. I hit puberty and then this happened. <laughs> There's no other explanation to that. So, while I was working at that, um, at that location of hospitality, a notion came about of the owner suggesting to the manager, who then suggested to me, hey, we're thinking of putting in an automated voice message system, and we would love your voice to <clears throat> be it, which is flattering, I feel, I believe, and I know. And I agreed. However, I also said that I wanted some sort of compensation for my voice being played over and over for all outcoming or incoming phone calls to hear me. Now, sorry, I have water. Now, <clears throat> while the manager agreed to this, and felt that, sure, absolutely, it's your voice, and we're using it, we'll get, try to get you compensated. Great, I said and thought. They probably used my voice on the voicemail for about two, three weeks, something of that nature. And I got back to the general manager after, you know, once or twice a week being like, hey, have you heard from the owner? Am I going to get compensated? What's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm talking to him, this and that, we'll see what we can do. Over and over. About the third week, I said, okay, mate, is this actually going to happen? Will I be compensated for my voice being used? And he just looked at me, he shook his head, and he's like, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And I said, okay, well, you're going to have to remove my voice then. Because if I'm not going to be compensated, I don't want it up. He agreed, and he replaced my voice with his and i've heard uh at that time from a couple of people they're like yeah it's just it's not the same and even when we initially submitted my vocal recordings for the voicemail to be used even the person who received the submission emailed back to my manager he's like wow this this is professional good for you so you know props to me the thing is is that because I worked radio that last job, I knew the value of my voice. I knew it was marketable. And even before I had that radio gig, when I was working at a gas station, some dude jumped out of the line in order to talk to me to see if I wanted to sing for his studio, which was a contemporary country genre studio that broadcast in Nashville. Our schedules never met up, but the fact that he even came up to me and could think that I could sing, which I can hold my own, just goes to show just, uh, I suppose to me, just to reaffirm how marketable my voice can be. So if I'm not going to get compensated for it, then I'm not going to do it. This leads to my other hospitality job that I had during my graduate studies. Another big company, international company, which I won't mention. If my friends know, my friends know, and what have you. Same thing kind of came about here. We had a manager. They left for another opening hotel. We had a temporary manager, and then we had a permanent manager who now manages another hotel in the same city. Stupid and dumb. 
unnecessary, but I give details. This manager, the permanent manager after the temporary manager, wanted to kind of implement the exact same thing. He's like, hey, so um, you obviously have a great voice. It has been mentioned many, many times. How about we get you to do our voicemail? I said, and being weary of last time, I said, sure, but before I do, I want money up front. So he and I, you know, we went into his office, we talked figures for a little bit, this and that, came to a deal of a lump sum. We shook hands, thinking that that was going to be it. He was going to go and talk to whomever, and everything else would be decided from corporate, which it was. Eventually, the exact same thing happened. I came to him a couple of times every single week being, Hey, so have you heard from corporate? When can we get this going? When can I get paid? It's like, oh, I haven't heard anything yet. You know, what have you. Hey, have you heard from corporate this week? What's going on? Well, you know, I mentioned it. They said they'd get back to me. I haven't heard anything. So, you know, whatever. Okay, great, fine. And then he said, yeah, well, uh, you know, corporate kind of had to reject it just because, you know, um, I guess everything that they put forth for automation and for our voice messaging system all comes from then and we can't do anything which is local or individual, which to one extent, I can absolutely understand. They have to be unified within the entire international corporation. They have to make sure that everything that they do not only meets the standards of all of their locations, but also is just the same. Uh, it's like um, if you go to a McDonald's in the next state or the next country over and you order a McDouble, you would expect that McDouble to taste the same. I would expect it. Then again, living in the United States, uh, McDoubles are just cheap, blatant food that you just consume in your gullet and then regret it about five hours later. But you're glad to have it at that point. And then there's the next morning. Besides that, so I can understand it. However, what appalls me is how... He was so confident and so assuring, and the sum that I would be paid for it was generous, I suppose. Looking back on it, on it now, not as generous as I would negotiate as of right now. So, twice was my voice wanting to be used. And while the first one, it wasn't compensated, the second one... It would have been if it was that manager's decision, but corporate then intervened. I've recently come to the exact same situation. Someone wanted to use my voice for their automated voice messaging system and were baffled that I wanted to charge them. They eventually went with someone else in order to record it, which is fine, but I have certainly learned from my past. And this is where those three things come into play. Temporary jobs. Uh, management, employees, or corporate, just being who they are. And the utilization of your talents. If you're to quote the Joker from The Dark Knight, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. And that's absolutely true. And the fact that I have been paid, not only on radio, but also for my freelancing business, Pador Studios. You can go ahead, check out my website and my Facebook page. I have been paid to do radio. I've been paid to do a freelance gig for the American Veterinarian Association. And I've also been paid to do a ongoing audiobook series for Ushia World. I say Ushia, but it's spelled with a W. W-U-X-I-A world. I know my voice is marketable. I know my worth, and I know what I deserve to be paid for the quality which I produce. And there's nothing wrong with you knowing what your value and what your worth is. It's like under the example that 
you know, my roommate and I, when we were talking about this, because that conversation, that whole situation, all three of them, stems back to just how America, the United States, seems to lower and degrade artists. The example that my roommate and I agree on is if you are having a wedding and you're planning a wedding, you want live music, you want a live band. Absolutely. Great. Of course. Uh, support local bands, support uh, genres which you want to have and songs which you want to play at your wedding. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. But if it's a five-member band and they come in to play, doesn't matter what instruments they play, if they come in, they're a five-member band. And whoever is doing the budgeting or what have you wants to pay that band to perform for a couple of hours uh, at the reception. Understandable. That's normally where they go and play and perform. But you want to pay a five-member band $500 for a couple of hours. That means that you are paying every single band member individually 50 bucks an hour now you may be thinking you know if you're paying for the wedding or you're the father paying for the wedding because i think that's still a tradition which is fine however if you're a father paying for that wedding oh yeah 500 bucks five people 100 bucks in each yeah there you go have at it whatever they do not know how insulting that price is because it absolutely is insulting the other thing that i compare that situation to is you have you have to drive 3 hours in a 3 year old car no what was it you're driving $30,000 worth of equipment for a uh, $3,000 gig three hours away. If you're one person, that may be enough. But if you're dividing that amongst five people, that is a problem. You know what you're paying for when you're paying for an artist? And I don't mean just an artist as in someone who draws or sculpts or does pottery or a musician or an actor or a voice actor, or a narrator. Do you know what you're actually paying for when you want to hire a five-person band to perform at your wedding? Every single one of those individuals that you hired has had years and years of practice, of lessons. If they're like me, they have years of university education. I have a master's degree in music performance. I studied under one of the best-known French horn players in the world, and I have met people of his caliber many a times. I know what to do, how to do, and how to play. I'm out of practice, but that's beside the point. It is the time, the money, the years of dedication, the payment of the instruments, the supplies, you're paying for all of that. If you wanted to just, you know, illegally, I mind you. I know, huge nerd, high shell beast. If you wanted to pay for all that for just $500, that is insulting. You may as well just get a giant speaker system and plug in an iPod and there you go. But if you want the actual true finesse of musicians live playing what you want with the emotion and the care and the attentiveness to make sure that your evening is special for that it is not going to be 500 a better price for that type of band uh let's see 5000 to begin with plus you have to keep in count the transportation of equipment the transportation of personnel time setting up dismantling gas Potentially food, maybe one or two drinks for them, if they're interested. I mean, you're, 
honestly, better would be like eight to 12 grand for a five person band at your wedding. That is much more respectable. It's not only your special day, but they have to make a living. They have to know that yes, we're putting in not only our years of experience in performing and practicing and education in order to do this, but we also have to eat. We have bills to pay, mortgages, car payments. Maybe they just got a brand new saxophone. They're still trying to pay that off. You don't know their situation. And for you to think that you can lowball them and that's it is not acceptable. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um, there was a Super Bowl that happened years ago. I don't know how many years, don't quote me on that. But there was a Super Bowl that happened that wasn't going to pay their halftime performers. And their excuse was, well, the exposure is going to be good enough for them. If I was any musician, yes, they do have a point. The exposure is good. Anyone who generally performs at the Super Bowl halftime, they do see a temporary rise in their record sales. True. However, do you know how insulting at the same time that is? Granted, I'm not someone who enjoys listening to uh, many of the guests that they bring on for the halftime show, but that's beside the point. No matter who they bring on, they are still a musician. They have still worked years and years in order to perfect their craft, even if it is, you know, uh, entwined with dance and and with supporting dancers and this and that, and they're just putting on a show. They're still an entertainer. They're still musically an entertainer. They need to be paid. They need to be paid respectfully. That exposure is going to happen whatsoever. But if you don't pay your musician, you don't pay your talent, you don't pay your artists accordingly and respectfully, you're not going to see them again. They're not going to work for you, and they're going to tell everyone else within the industry, oh, you have a gig with them? Yeah, this is my experience with them. Are you sure you want to do that? Because it is absolutely true that the music world is indeed very closed. It is a small world, and word travels quickly amongst that world. So... Know your worth. Know your talents. If you're good, don't do it for free. And stand by your quality and your purpose. That is what I have to say about that. That has been on my mind for some time. And the recent event just brought, all, just brought back all of those, uh, those memories of, of what and why and who. I honestly did not ask to have this voice. It just happened. And now I'm just rolling with it. But I know it's worth, I know my worth, and I know what I can provide and I can do. So, you stand by your talents. You make sure that you get paid accordingly. And don't back down. Because once you start backing down of how you know your worth, then you start to demean yourself then how you demean yourself in the price and the value that you're actually worth then continues throughout your entire career because people will see your work, they will hear your work. They'll be like, oh, well, I want that. How much is it for them? Oh, well, I got them for this much. And then that much will continue. And if you try to raise that price, be like, yeah, well, you know, well, that was that and this is a new one, so I want to raise it to this. They'll be like, well, why should I pay this if you gave them this? And then you're going to keep lowballing yourself. And you don't deserve that. You deserve the respect and the proper payment for your craft. <sighs> okay, I'm going to take a sip of water. Also, this podcast is brought to you by no one as of right now. But if it was brought to you by someone, you know who I would want. I would want... Um, like Burt's Bees, because I use their product all the time, because I seem to have an addiction to lip balm, which has stemmed since I was three, which is bad. 
I thought the amount that I drank was bad. Oh, boy, let's talk about lip balm. Uh, they would be cool to have. Rode microphone, obviously. I already told you I'm working with the Rode NTG5. I'm staring right now at my Rode... Oh, man, right? Love me some Rode. I'm staring at my Rode NT2A. Uh, you know, along with Rode, I wouldn't mind Sweetwater either. Sweetwater would be cool to work with, be associated with. That's where I get all my gear. You know, free shout-out to Sweetwater. They're reliable, and they deliver fast if they have it in stock. And if they do have it in stock, off it goes. And you also get two-year free warranty with every purchase. So you can't deny that. I'm advertising for them. Sweetwater. <laughs> Sponsor me. Anyway, that's beside the point. So, we talked a little bit about just catching up with myself. We talked a little bit about um, uh, what's on my mind. Respect for yourself and your talents. Always do it. Follow your passion. For the love of God, life is too short. Do what makes you happy. Local liquor store? Absolutely, local liquor store. Who you know who you are. I'll say the opposite of who you are. Come on, small blue. Get with it. We're here for you. Shell Beast is definitely here for you. I am just as a comp uh, consumer, small blue. Uh... <laughs> Ah, uh, shit. What else did I want to talk about? Um, that, that, that. Um, I want to talk about, real quick, uh, one of the passions that I have, which has been in my life ever since I was young. And that's video games. Of course I want to talk about video games. Who doesn't want to talk about video games? But specifically, I want to talk about some of the new hype and press, which has come along with Elden Ring. Now, if you don't know what Elden Ring is, that's fine. I understand. That's what we're here for. That's part of what this podcast is for. No judgment. Let's just talk. Elden Ring is developed by From Software, which is great. And the director is uh, uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki. Miyazaki, if you don't know, is also the director of the games of Demon Souls, of Dark Souls 1 through 3, of Bloodborne, and of Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. The last time I streamed was a part of a Shell Beast challenge. Who is listening in the chat? Hello again. Uh, she challenged me to <clears throat> play and beat Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. I think she gave me 16 or 12 hours, I can't remember which. Regardless, I beat that game in 9 hours and 40 some odd minutes. I love the Miyazaki games. I have beaten all of them. Dark Souls 1 through 3. Even Dark Souls through 2. Yes, I beat that. Dark Souls 1 through 3, Bloodborne, multiple times, uh, Sekiro, 12 hours, okay, got it. Blew through that. I love this series, and I look forward to playing Demon Souls, uh, which will eventually happen. Uh, however, I'm not sure if it's going to happen on the remaster or on the original PS3, because Shelby's bought herself a PS3 and Demon's Souls, which was released in 2009. Why do I bring all this up? Well, one of the very reputable internet locations for video game news is Kotaku.com. And I was looking through Kotaku the other day, and I came across an article which the title, the heading of it, was interesting, but I never actually read it. So I want to read it and get a full-blown reaction Upfront, absolutely valid and true. Right here, right now. The headline of it is Elden Ring will be easier, Dev says, but no difficulty options. Which is one of the most infamous things about the Miyazaki series, uh, game series that he has, is that there is no difficulty option, which is where 
partially and probably in full that whole term of get good came from. Get good, scrub. You died here a hundred times, do it a hundred more and learn. Get good. Which I suppose is... I don't know. I find the games enjoyable and easy, and then, you know, I look at people who are <laughs> raging out, throwing their controllers, smashing their fists on their keyboard. Hell, even Snoop Dogg uh, rage quit on uh, Madeir in Dark Souls 3. That's fascinating to watch. Probably brought his high super down. <laughs> anyway, uh, this article was released... Um, I don't know my months. Hold on was released in June, June 17th of this year, uh, written by a Ian Walker. So, let's read this together. Uh, in fact, if you want to read it with me, bam, there you go, in the chat. And when I post this to YouTube, I'll make sure that it is also in the link below, or in the description below, rather. So, Elden Ring director Miyazaki recently sat down with the Japanese gaming outlet Famitsu to discuss the upcoming From Software adventure following its stunning reintroduction at E3 2021. Let's see, we should do another Shelby Challenge Dark Souls 1, the Redarkening Challenge. I agree, because God forbid I have to fight fucking Artorias for two hours again. God, I need to play through Dark Souls 1 just again, just for my own sake, and also for practice, but I would, and I would accept that. We've talked about it. Uh, so let's see. Uh, stunning reintroduction at E3 2021. While their conversation treads uh, similar ground to other interviews, Miyazaki also got into the ways his team is hoping to make the game more welcoming to newcomers. Since the 2009 Demon Souls on the PS3, From Software has carved out a niche in the gaming world for its unique brand of unforgiving combat. A Souls-like, as these games and their imitators have come to be known, can often feel overwhelmingly difficult, but they also provide a great sense of accomplishment to those players who take the time to preserve and master the mechanics. Very true. Uh, you can go about beating Dark Souls um, without having to parry anyone. True. But it is beneficial if you learn how to do that timing. It goes on. This has led to some heated conversations about whether or not From Software should add easier difficulty options to future games, with one side arguing for increased accessibility and the other suggesting that decreasing difficulty would amount to the studio not remaining true to its ethos or, in more uh, hyperbolic appeals, cheating oneself out of a fulfilling experience, which I can see both sides. Uh, so many people have tried the Miyazaki games and given up just because there isn't a difficulty setting and they just purely give up. Which actually goes into the lore of the original Dark Souls. You don't actually hollow out until you as a player give up on playing and beating the game entirely. So yeah, you can just die, repeat, go and try to beat it. But if you yourself give up, then your character truly has hollowed out and given up. Uh, sorry, continuing on. Elden Ring won't feature traditional difficulty levels, Miyazaki reportedly told Famitsu. But he believes its new systems make the game a more forgiving experience than previous from software releases. Uh, from software releases like Bloodborne and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Uh, okay, let's see. According to translations by Frontline Gaming Japan, Miyazaki puts Elden Ring difficulty on par with Dark Souls 3 due to its open-world nature as well as mechanics like stealth and a custom uh, customizable spirit summons that should make combat less overwhelming. You get spirit summons? 
Since Elden Ring is less linear than previous games, bosses, a historically important part of the Souls-like experience, can be avoided in favor of exploring a new area. Okay. From Software hopes this leads to fewer instances of players getting stuck on a boss battle and not being able to advance the story. The game can even be uh, completed without defeating some bosses, Miyazaki said. Which, side note, it's not the first time that that's happened. You can skip the majority of uh, Bloodborne bosses and still beat the game. Uh, without defeating some bosses, Miyazaki said, a side effect of the freedom of choice for which the developers are striving. Multiplayer is also a factor, and while details are scarce, Miyazaki mentioned that the online system makes it easier to call in backup this time around. And if all else fails, Elden Ring players can still leave messages scattered around the world providing tips and words of encouragement or simply commiserating at tough points in the game. Don't give up, skeleton. Ah, that's a famous one of DS2. I don't expect Elden Ring to end the difficulty arguments, but it's nice to hear what From Software is doing to make its wonderful epic adventures more accessible. Its long-awaited game finally launches on January 21st, 2022 for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, and Steam. Sounds like an early birthday gift to me. Oh, boy. Okay. So this is what I'm getting. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you, Mr. Walker, for writing this. This is what I'm getting. I am hearing that speedrunners are going to love this game as much as they did Sekiro. Because although Sekiro was rather linear, it wasn't limiting like it um like it was with Dark Souls 1 and especially Dark Souls 2. Dark Souls 2 was so linear you almost didn't have a choice if you're just playing it as is. If you were utilizing glitches and clipping through the map or what have you, then you have free will essentially at that point and kind of like Sekiro. While Sekiro also was linear. It indeed was. Uh, you still had choices that you could make, and you could go around any different path and explore whatever area you wanted to, because ultimately it just led up to you getting the Immortal Blade, going down to the Ape and getting that flower, and then going back to What's-His-Nuts and just making the room smell good. Uh, that's ultimately what it just boiled down to. And then, of course, you know, going down and killing the uh, Elder Dragon. So, that's all good fun and fine and dandy. What this sounds like, is sounds like they're trying to make a Miyazaki Souls-like game. Open world, so I'm kind of thinking in more relevant uh, games, Breath of the Wild. So they're trying to make a Breath of the Wild-like Souls game. And the good thing about this is that one is going to be different uh, because I even think you get a horse mount which what is riding a horse going to be like in a Miyazaki game you get to explore this open world you get to avoid bosses if you want to so it sounds like you even have like you know how all the other Miyazaki games Demon Souls Dark Souls 1 through 3 Bloodborne and Sekiro all of those games, once you entered a boss room, you had the fog that would prevent you from leaving. And the only way that you would be able to leave is either you kill them, or you glitch through it somehow, and now you're walking up on the roof, and you activated the boss fight so that they can then just, you know, uh, fall off a cliff, like you can do in Sekiro with Oniwa and with the Demon of Hatred. You can somehow jump up onto that roof, climb yourself up, go outside of the fog wall, lead them around the corner, and then they will just go after you and plummet themselves to death. Uh, and that's it. This doesn't seem to be the case with Elden Ring. This seems like you can activate a boss, they will be aware of you, they'll aggro, they'll come after you, attempt to kill you, but 
you can run away from them. I don't know if that's true. That's just the impression that I'm getting from this article. And if that's the case, cool. I haven't seen any of the gameplay, just like I haven't seen any of the gameplay with um, Doom Eternal, just as I haven't seen any of the gameplay with The Last of Us 2, because I haven't played it and I don't want that to be spoiled to me. I will be playing both of those games very soon, however. So be on the lookout for that for here at Fapism Plays. So that's what I'm getting from that article. And honestly, it makes me a little more excited. The fact that Miyazaki is, every single time, God of War 4. Oh god, yeah, that's true. I haven't seen anything of God of War 4 except for a highlight reel, very small amount, by Maximilian Dude. Uh, uh, it was like his end of the year highlight video that he had, so of course I indulge. But yeah, I saw a little snippet of God of War 4 in that, and that was it. So I'm still, I still consider that to be technically blind, and I'm happy for that. But yeah, all of them. Oh god, you know what else I haven't seen anything of? Gears of War 4, Gears of War 5, nothing. Nothing at all. Other than, like, a couple of just trailers. I, I have one trailer in particular, I think, for Gears of War 4. But I've avoided 5. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. I think this will be a good game. And every single time Miyazaki comes out with a different game, it explores and goes through a different, uh, a different pattern, a different, uh, different mechanics. Uh, for example, you know... If you have kind of have to combine Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1 through 3 together, just because it's kind of like the same world, the same mechanics, more or less, unless Dark Souls 2 decides to drop the fucking... Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the friggin' uh, when you fall, the fall damage, god, that was way rough. More realistic, but contradicting uh, Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1. You can categorize those four games into one thing just because it was essentially the exact same premise. Uh, other than just, you know, hitboxes being cleaned up, rolls, um, spikes here or there with some patches, you know, the usual. When we get into Bloodborne, the thing that changed with that was it's faster, no shields, and you have a gun. So they really amped up the fact that... Uh, um, the visceral attacks is what it's called. I wanted to call it a parry, essentially the same thing, but they really amped up the utilization of visceral attacks. New mechanic, that's cool. Then when we got to Sekiro, Sekiro was no shield, no gun, but you have a bunch of really friggin' cool gadgets. You can jump, because that's new, and you can grapple and swing about things. Amazing. That's all types of new. And granted, it still follows some of the, um, of the Dark Souls themes, such as exploring a new world, kind of open world, but more linear than anything else. And it's unrelenting and difficult. I found the boss battles in Sekiro to be the most challenging amongst all of the games. And that's just because they each boss fight more or less, because there are repeated boss fights, is unique in its own right. And the mechanics of you being able to not only balance your health, but also your stagger meter, or your yeah health and balance meter, whatever they called it, was interesting. And the fact that your opponent also followed the exact same rules that you did. You can stagger your enemies over at... Um, in the Dark Souls game, sure, but your strength has to be up. You have to make sure that you're using a good weapon, which contradicts the boss that you're fighting. And it generally didn't happen all too much. And if it did, and you capitalized on it, it certainly didn't take all of their health bar. Unless you built yourself to be a one-hit uh, one build, which if you did, good for you, because that's tough. So Elden Ring is just pushing it a little bit more. It's still going to be a Miyazaki game. The fact that it has George R.R. Martin writing the story means that it's probably still going to have a convoluted, 
like all of the storylines, it's still going to be convoluted. You're probably going to have to still read item descriptions in order to find out what the hell is going on. Uh, but the fact that it's not just like Miyazaki and some team, this is a dude who has fucked up ideas, who has made a living out of those ideas, and who has owned those ideas. Great. Honestly, it's a pair made in heaven for Miyazaki and Martin to get together and make a game. And I think they're going to make a couple of more games together after this. Uh, I hope so, because that'll be great. So, I think a lot is going to change as a result of this game. I think there's going to be some uh, familiar and similar mechanics as we're used to. But I also think they're going to implement mounting, riding a horse... Uh, potentially being able to avoid any and all bosses that you want until you feel that you're ready. And the fact that you can explore open world and, it's again, it sounds like you can go anywhere you want at any time, reminding me of uh, Breath of the Wild, I think it's going to um, make it a speedrunner's dream. Because God knows they already took apart Sekiro. So I wonder what they can do with this. That's what I'm looking forward to, is what the speedrunning community can do with Elden Ring when it comes out. That will be fun. So, I am basically, uh, we're over an hour now. Uh, my voice is starting to hurt a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to call this podcast here. I appreciate all who have listened. I will be back next Friday. This podcast will be uploaded to YouTube tomorrow evening on Friday. I will be live for the episode two of Frankly Speaking on Fridays next Friday, sometime in the afternoon. I'm thinking 2 p.m., just like before. If you want, you can email this podcast. You can. There is a live active email address where you can ask whatever you want. I know. I, um... You didn't see my face because that's intentionally done. I want it to be a pure traditional podcast. So there's going to be no music before and after, no music in between, no face. It is literally just going to be, let's put this on in the background and listen. And that's, that's what I want. Face cam will come on next time we stream. Uh, a video game, not the podcast. Apologies if that is um, not exactly what people were hoping for, but that's just... What I have in mind, I want to keep it a very traditional podcast. Anyway, if you want to email this podcast, you can. You can ask me questions, opinions, this and that, whatever you want, and I will post it down below. It is fsofpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, minus the slash. Let me try that again. fsofpodcast at gmail.com. Bam! You'll see my pretty face another time. You also get to see how long my hair is getting. Holy crap. <laughs> it's starting to get into a ponytail a little bit. Wearing a headband is uh, becoming easier and easier by the day. Anyway, the email is there uh, if you want to ask me questions, whether it's about music, acting, voice acting, video games, or just random advice that you want potentially within your own life. I'm down for whatever you may wish to talk about. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's all I got. So, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I will be back next week, again, on Friday, 2 p.m. Easter time. And uh, I hope that we will have some more fun things in which to talk about. Please email me. Please uh, tune in. And, not tune in, but please check out my Facebook page for Fapism Plays. Also, check out my own personal website, which is pedorstudios.com. That is my freelancing voice acting and narration page. Right there. I um, Let me know if you have a project in mind you wish to hire me for my services. I am available, and I am willing. So, thank you all again. Um... I say for fapism, just, you know, keep practicing. Whatever it is, so long as it doesn't hurt you or anyone else, keep practicing. And I mean that. Practice your talents. Practice your loves of life and just 
make sure that you're on a path that you are happy with, that you can live with, and that you're proud of. Life is too short. Do what you want. Pursue it so that when you're old and retired, I mean, I don't think I'll ever be retired, but damn it, when I'm old, I'm going to look back at my life and I'm going to see these podcasts. I'm going to see my videos, my live streams, my audio books, and my other projects, and I'm going to think to myself, that was a good life. I'm proud of that work. I'm glad to leave it behind. And I want each and every one of you to be able to say the same thing about your life. Do what you're passionate about. Love what you do. All right. Thank you again. Take care of yourselves. Keep practicing. And, uh, oh, actually, a quick shout out before I go. Um, tune in this Saturday evening. Uh, shout out to Shell Beast. She will be live streaming with Avenger, with two R's, who's a male, not a female, and myself at her Twitch channel, Shell Beast, which is right there in the chat. You can go ahead and click on her name. It is with two E's. For Beast, be sure to follow her because we'll be live streaming that evening, playing out some multiplayer games, just having some fun and having some drinks. Uh, so if you want to relax on a Saturday afternoon, join us. We'll have some laughs. Maybe we'll rage. Who knows? Anything is possible. But please join us. We look forward to you. Anyway, take care of yourselves. Keep practicing. Read a book. Do what you love. All right? I'll see you all later. Bye-bye.